everybody, and welcome to the Talking Consciousness Podcast. My name is Unfortunate Chemistry, and today I have Ben on the show, and we are going to be talking about his psychedelic experiences. So how's it going, Ben? Doing good. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, despite being under the weather a little bit. I'm excited to hear some of your report. Yeah, well, we get like that. I appreciate you being here, even though you're not feeling too well. Um, so I guess we can just kind of jump into it. Um, before the experience that I'll mostly be discussing, um, I had probably about five trips. Um, they were all pretty good. Um, none of them were super intensive. Um, I think about two of them were on LSD and the other three were on research chemicals, um, probably 2,5-I, but I don't really know. Um, a large moral of this story is test your chemicals and, and know where you're getting your things from. Um, those are things that I've learned through this. Um, but the, the experience in question, um, I was 17 at the time, and I didn't really have much deep knowledge about what I was doing and what these chemicals are. Um, I've came to respect them a lot more through this. Um, so I got this stuff. Um, it's called, it was, it was called Alilescalin. Um, I didn't really know anything about it at the time and I didn't know what Arrowid was. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Arrowid? Absolutely. I think it's a very important website for anyone who's into expanding their consciousness. Yeah, honestly, if I could just give that a little shout out, anyone that doesn't know what Arrowid.org is, you should visit that. Um, So doing a little bit of research on it afterwards, I learned that the normal doses for alilescalin range from about 20 to 100 milligrams. Um, Most of the experience reports on there were good, but the 100 milligram one had some bad effects in it. Um, But all of those were taken orally. Um, Like I said, I didn't know what this website was at the time, and so I didn't have any of this knowledge. Um, I just trusted the guy that I was getting it from. Um, He told me to do 100 milligrams, but he told me to snort it rather than do it orally. Um, I think most people probably know what snorting something versus consuming it orally does in difference of effect, Um, but makes it come on a lot faster and stronger um, if, if you didn't already know that. Right. Right. Um, and so I, I was just bored one weekend night and I decided to give the stuff a try. Um, I didn't really trust that I should do a whole hundred milligrams. So I only did 50 milligrams. And, um, in hindsight, that in itself was a ridiculously good decision, but one good decision amongst some bad decision. Um, I guess it's, it's hard to call it bad looking on it so far because it's became such a part of who I am as a person, you know, psychedelics, especially the bad trips can kind of have that effect on people. 
Yeah, that kind of shape who you are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really strange to think about. Um so I you know, unfolded the aluminum foil, took out this little powder and I say I say 50 milligrams because I know that I had 100 milligrams, but I really eyeballed the difference of of half of it. Um so it could have been a little bit more. I don't really think it was less. Um, <laughs> um, so we, we snorted that. And then almost immediately, like two seconds later, I could kind of feel um, the beginnings of the, the traditional psychedelic come up. Um, but the fact that it came on that fast and hard i i was kind of like you know the, oh boy this is gonna be this might be more than i set out for um so uh, i laid down and i started watching rick and morty and was enjoying myself getting a little bit of visuals um and then after a couple episodes i was watching the pilot episode of the show um uh, the for anyone that's familiar with the show, that's the episode of the show with the uh, mega seeds. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very, very good ass. one. Yep. <laughs> um, but the very ending of that episode is like Rick standing over Morty in their garage, like, and Morty's drooling out of his mouth because he just turned really i just lost all motor functions because of the motor seed or the mega seed um but there's all the flashing lights and rick's given like this weird creepy monologue to morty um and it just the whole scene of that set me off um that episode was actually a trigger for um that scene was an episode or was a trigger for ptsd after the event for a while wow um yeah but that happened and it just kind of freaked me out a little bit um i don't even remember if i started another episode or not or not um i think that i probably did but the next thing that i really remember was i started getting really really cold like like unrealistically cold it felt like it was coming from inside me that i was just frozen um so i went and i grabbed all of the blankets from my room all of the blankets from the closet in the hallway and i wrapped myself up into a little ball um and like the second that i did that and got comfy and started trying to sit in it um like the the second that i got into the ball i started feeling like i was melting like instantaneously got ridiculously hot um it freaked me out excessively um and i so i <laughs> um i stripped naked uh from from all all of the clothes that i had on and i climbed out onto my roof out the window of my room okay um yeah <laughs> um this is honestly my favorite part of the whole story um i laid down on on the cold top of the roof and i i felt good for a moment 
And I had like this clear thought, damn, now I can tell my grandchildren one day that their grandfather tripped so hard he laid on the roof naked. (laughs) And I, I just, and then I could not stop laughing. And like, honestly, for that moment, um, I had that thought laying on the roof laughing and then I realized, you know, I should probably go back inside. Um, and so I did that. Um, and just thinking about that scene a little bit, uh, getting hot and cold, I actually didn't know this at the time, but that's, um, a symptom that a lot of people have reported on the come up of a, like the stages right before an ego loss. Um, that was something that I read in the Timothy Leary's The Psychedelic Experience. Right, right. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting because that that had puzzled me for a long time and felt so weird that that had happened. And then I just learned, you know, it's actually just something that happens. Um, right. A lot less significant than I was making it out to be, if that makes sense. No, no, it does, no, make, no, sense. It does make sense. Uh, it's kind of weird. So after... Having so I hadn't read Timothy Leary's book before having any psychedelic experiences, but then afterward, once I started reading started that reading. book, it was weird. It was like I kept having like all these epiphanies and like ah, ooh, <laughs> like this makes <laughs> like so this much makes... sense. It's like this is exactly what happened. It was like because it's so hard to quantify a psychedelic experience, and it's really hard to put it into words, and then to have have like a manual that does put it into words and explains like things that you went through under that uh that uh drugs effects it was just kind of like mind-boggling like how did he even figure out how to put this into words but he explained it perfectly yeah i have a lot of respect for the few individuals that can go on 200 plus psychedelic trips and maintain their composure enough to write a book about them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. but that's, that's another thing. Anyone that has tripped or is thinking about it should definitely read the psychedelic experience by Timothy Leary. Um, it's only like 10 bucks on Amazon. That's how I got it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'd recommend, yeah, I'd recommend I mean, you can even go to the library if you need to. Yeah. Go to your libraries more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, where were we? I was just going back in through my window. Um, at that point, I decided that I should, that this was about to be more than I could handle on my own. And I should try and get one of my friends that lived in the neighborhood to hang out with me while I went through this experience that I still at this point did not realize how intense it was going to get by a long shot. Um, and after this part is where it can get kind of hard to talk about even now. Um, and there's actually like a couple of scenes that I'm going to leave out just because they're too, almost too dark to be of value to sharing the experience, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, it just really like enforces, yeah, it enforces how 
deep these things can take you into your mind and you can really lose control of your body during the experience. Okay. Um, especially if you don't know what you're, if you don't have any kind of a context for what you're getting into. Right. Right. Um, you know, I didn't have any experience with disassociates and I completely disassociated from my body. Okay. Um, but that, that wasn't immediately. Um, I was, I was at my house. I decided to call one of my friends and he said that I could come over and he would meet me on the walk. Um, wasn't that far. Um, just like two turns, um, in a neighborhood that I had lived in for like 10 years and it was like a half mile walk in total. Um, but I got lost halfway there on like the main road that runs through my neighborhood, which has a stoplight at one end and nothing at the other end. Um, and I couldn't tell which way was north or south on the road because I couldn't tell which end of the road the stoplight was on. Um, that's how far gone my mind was from my body at that point. It was really weird. Um, and so my buddy ended up finding me. I was actually, I ended up having to walk down the yellow line in the middle of the road for a second. And he saw, finally saw me in the road and came and got me. Um, and so we went back to his house and we were just sitting in the backyard. Um, and we had, um, I don't know, I, sh I guess I should give the friends temporary names. Um, We'll call them Sarah and Tyler. Okay. okay. Um, so Tyler got me. We went to his backyard. Um, Sarah was there with him. And the only thing that was like calming me down in that moment, because I had been freaking out that whole time. Um, the only thing that was calming me down was just sitting there and petting her hair is the best way that I could say it. Um, it was calming me down feeling that. Um, and then he got his big brother to come out. Um, and I, the way that his big brother came out and the way he presented himself was really interesting and cool. He like sprang in and was like, you know, I'm here to make everything better and make you feel good. Like, I'm, I think he might have actually said, like, I'm the savior or something like that. Um, and for, yeah, and it was like, <laughs> um, I didn't take that, like, literally or anything. But the way that he jumped into the scene with the positivity did actually make me feel quite a bit better for a minute. Um, but I think that with the amount of psychedelic that I had consumed, it was inevitable that I was going to pass out and have some kind of, like, I, I was going to pass out. And that wasn't something that I think any of us were exactly, none of us knew that was going to happen or were prepared for that to happen. Um, if you are going to do something like eat six grams of mushrooms or something crazy like that, you're probably gonna end up laying down silently with your eyes closed for a little bit. Um, it's actually like an okay thing, um, but we didn't know anything like that. And at that point in time, it probably wouldn't have been okay for me to just lay down because I was kind of like freaking out. Um, 
So they decided to take me inside. Um, and then I don't really remember my body after this point. Like I remember going inside with them, but then from there, I, I don't remember anything else until I woke up in the hospital as far as my physical body. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, but I kind of do, but I, I know that I don't. Um, apparently, I, I found this out the next day, but I, I pooped myself. Okay. Um, and so they tried to take my body upstairs to the bathroom. Um, and I remember, vaguely remember being in the bathroom, but all I remember from being in the bathroom was seeing myself trying to break out of the bathroom. Like I didn't have any control of my body or my thought other than that I could see through my eyes what I was doing. And I was like trying to open up the bathroom door and like screaming like an inhuman scream. Um, and my friend Tyler, he just didn't know what to do, freaked out himself a little bit. Um, cause I was like trying to break down his bathroom door. Right. Um, and so, and I think I might've even been like trying to hit him. I'm not sure, but basically I don't blame him for it, but he ended up punching me in the face a couple of times and knocking me out. Um, and I have a, a scar that you can't really see because the hair's grown back, but I had to get a couple stitches on my eyebrow um, from that. Um, but at that point was when it started to get particularly weird. That was the point in which right afterwards I actually had the, the first and only true ego death that I've had. Um, so even, I don't know. yeah, I have not, I, I came very close to that point when I took mushrooms, um, a couple, about two months ago. Um, and that actually is what has made me realize how much self-work I had to do and how much more really just how much self-work I had to do regarding this experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I remember like laying on the bathroom floor, um, and I just heard this thought go through my head and it was accompanied almost by like sitcom laugh track is what it sounded like. Um, accompanied with it was the the thought and it was so crystal clear that it didn't sound like a thought it sounded like a voice that said what a way to go dying on the toilet and i think i had like my hand on the rim of the toilet too and it was so like at the time, I th my my conscious, I thought that like I was dying, my physical body. Um, but in a, I, I look back on that line, and it's kind of almost got a double meaning. Like you could take it literally, 
what a way to go. Like I, I had an ego death laying on the bathroom in the toilet. Right. Um, so that was weird. Yeah, this whole experience yeah, is um, quite extreme. Quite extreme. Yeah, it, I, it was something that I was not at all prepared for, and it's, it really should be taken as a cautionary tale of. That's how I um, this. Yeah, it. <laughs> um, that's 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 what it is. That's why I'm sharing the story is to try and make other people you know really like psychedelics need to be taken more seriously it's not a party drug that's that's what it comes down to and a lot of people in my generation it seems like treat it that way and that that pains me yeah these things need a lot of respect respect. Mm -hmm. um so from there after that happened um i just shot off to somewhere else um i probably i I don't remember it felt like it was just all of a sudden i was there um but i'm sure that there's some memory loss as to if i went through any kind of like a lot of people have asked me if i went through like a tunnel or anything like that at that moment i don't really remember i just remember looking at the next scene i guess i could call it um and what it um i was looking down on a guy in a jail cell from like a third person view um he was a little bit larger guy with like a stubbly beard and really gray balding hair um and the whole scene seemed really like gray tinted almost um and it was like i had that same like thought voice thing that said something along the lines of um so sad to see um a life wasted with a choice like this um Wow. wow yeah it was it was really really weird um and i i went through it's taken me a long time to figure out like what that scene and what that could have meant was because it felt like like it, it was so real like i felt like i was that guy in some kind of way but it didn't look like me whatsoever and it felt like the the prison that he was in like was eternal in some sense it wasn't like it was seemed like it was physically there but it i also didn't feel like we were on earth i guess would be the best way to say it okay okay um And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, I mean, it really, really messed with me um, that moment. Um, Tried to think like, oh, is this some kind of like representation for like all of like, it was that like a representation for human suffering or 
um is was that a representation for like what life is like is life just is is humanity a consciousness in a prison cell or something like that um but in the past so this this trip happened four years ago but in the past two months i think i've finally come to realize what that actually was um and i think it was a representation of my own laziness um in like inaction in my life um procrastination and whatnot that's like one of my biggest problems um and i think that that was the the why the guy looked like that and whatnot um that he was a representation of laziness and that line so sad to see a life wasted with a choice like this was a line towards myself of wasting all of my potential with the choice of being lazy right right um and it's just weird to me that you know four years later i've managed to take that and turn it into something actually really positive positive and motivating um rather than something that was like horrifying for a while right yeah it's all about how you interpret these messages that you receive exactly that's one of the biggest things that i guess you could say my psychedelic journey has taught me um is everything about life is all how you interpret it if you decide that things in life are going to be really shitty they're going to be if you decide that you know life is a pretty good place and you can work on yourself and make things better that's exactly what's going to happen yeah it's all about setting the intention yes intention is the biggest thing um so after the guess we'll call it the the prison scene um while all of that was happening that was while i was passed out on the ground in the bathroom i guess my friend had gone back to my house to wake up my mom um so she could take me to the hospital um and so the next thing that i remember um i guess the thing that pulled me out of that prison which i don't know how long i was there and it only took me a couple of minutes to describe the scene but it felt like i sat there watching the guy having that thought occurring over and over it felt like that was hours even though in reality it was probably only a couple of minutes right absolutely um so my mom carried me to my car um and as she was driving me to the hospital she actually put me in the trunk because i was screaming and flailing so much um she she described it as banshee screaming is what she calls it um and so 
the I, I guess I should also say when when I say she put me in the trunk, I had a hatchback, and so it wasn't like it wasn't like I was in a closed trunk. Yeah, that, um, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I should I should specify that. You're um, <laughs> throw you in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but she was. She's driving me to the hospital. I'm spouting all of this nonsense. I don't even remember what I was saying whatsoever. She says she doesn't remember what I was saying either, but I guess I was talking the entire time from the moment like I she picked me up and took me to the car like the whole time I was talking and I don't remember any of that. Um, but I do vaguely remember screaming something about rick and morty changed the channel um i i think that i i was having that scene from that that mega seed episode i was having that ending of the episode scene like playing above me on the roof of my car in my head um and i was just screaming about like trying to change the channel um it was it was weird was it a <laughs> that you found yourself in like you were continuously seeing it over and over again over again yeah i i believe that's I, that's what it was i was caught in some kind of a thought loop um which yeah for about... people who don't know what a thought loop is very common effect of any psychedelic, any psychedelic. Have, you have you living in a single thought for what feels like an eternity you feel like you're not going to get out of it and it can be very terrifying. Yeah, actually, on one of my first trips, I had that happen to a friend. Um, for about three hours, she just kept asking the same four questions over and over again. Um, it was kind of scary to watch. I was worried if she was going to come back okay afterwards but she can she completely did like after a while she just stopped um but that's definitely something to look out for in yourself and in your friends yes so um we got to the hospital um i don't really remember much of the drive there or going into the hospital i don't even remember getting to the hospital or going inside um the next thing that i remember was slowly starting to come to in the hospital room um i remember just like coming back into consciousness in the middle of rambling to one of the nurses um something about how we're all in this together and everything would work out if we just worked as one together um stuff i was rambling to her about that um and i had this strange idea in my head of like everyone was a spoke on a bicycle wheel and some of the spokes were broken and that's why the wheel couldn't turn right um something like that and i thought that was kind of an interesting metaphor i guess um yeah. it's one of the strange things about like 
this experience is it just throws these metaphors at you in the form of like visualization visualization yeah um i i don't and and that's what makes it hard to say that there's nothing to it because it gives you these such powerful metaphors that do have some kind of grounding it's just about interpreting them properly right it's kind of like dreams yeah yeah absolutely um but that just ended up being the end of it for the most part um i once i came back into consciousness and realized that i was in the middle of rambling i really only remember that that last sentence like i feel like when i realized that i was rambling i stopped like as soon as i realized that i was talking i stopped talking um and then you know my mom came into the room and we both cried and that was the end of that moment in time you know i got discharged from the hospital an hour or so later um went home and recuperated and that that recuperation process is something that's still going on today uh yeah i imagine imagine after such an intense experience yeah um i had genuine ptsd for about a year after that um very very bad at first um several times a day for the first week and then it tapered off to a couple times a week um i would just get hit with an anxiety attack out of nowhere um and feel like i was you know back i was feeling the exact way that i felt when i was staring at the guy in the prison cell um that same level of anxiety um and it would be you know because i started college about a month after that happened um and i'd be sitting in the middle of class or in the middle of my room studying and just have to get up and go for a five minute walk to calm myself down um it was quite a problem at first um but then after about think think probably at about 10 or so months i realized that it had been at least a month since i had had a serious episode we'll call it um and so it ended up being a little bit over a year after that experience i decided to do some um pure true not research chemical um (laughs) lsd with some of my fraternity brothers um and that was an absolutely amazing experience and i think that helped me a lot with the the healing process being able to because i was so scared about doing a psychedelic again after that right right um and i think that if i hadn't waited as long as i had it probably would have been and if i hadn't done a fairly low some people would call it moderate i guess i did about 200 i think um 
Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Okay. Um, and I think that was it, it. Was it was really really nice. Um, so it's but it's only been as of recent that I really I really started to go back to that experience and actually try and think about it. Um, the past two months have been a really interesting time in my life as far as self-discovery goes. Right on, man. Right on. Yeah. That's an incredible That's an story. Incredible story. Um, um, a couple things that I, I kind of stick out to me. One, just being so young, it kind of reminds me of like, a lot of like indigenous cultures have these psychedelic experiences as a rite of passage, you know, like uh, some native tribes will consume peyote to embark into manhood or, you know, something along those experiences, which peyote being uh, mescaline uh, would actually probably be pretty similar to the experience that you had being what she said it was aliescaline. Yeah, it's an it's a analog of mescaline. So, Ali Lescaline or Ali Lescaline, that something is so like that. That you came up um, like immediately because from what I've read, the research I've done, mescaline takes like three hours to come up upon you know traditional oral consumption. That you are just like straight into the stratosphere is so bizarre and i guess that just says a lot for these research chemicals people you have to be careful with what you're consuming uh do your research and do not ever assume that you know what you're getting yourself into honestly i completely agree with everything that you just said um i really think that people should stick to at this point i plan on sticking to just mushrooms and maybe dmt um a lot of people really like acid i don't think that there's anything wrong with that but it seems to me that it gives a lot more into that recreational use rather than um self-development well, use well, set and set set and set set setting and intention exactly yeah so, yeah, man, that was that was quite a journey. Just listening to that kind of felt mildly psychedelic for me. Uh, it might just be because I'm in a soundproof, perfectly black box, but <laughs> that was quite a journey you just took me through, and I'm sure most of the listeners as well. Uh, not many people have a story like that. I've had my own experiences. I don't, I'm not sure any of them were quite that strong, but I'm sure – this is a funny thing about psychedelics – You've told me a lot, but I bet if I started telling you about some of my experiences, you'd be like, oh, wait, yeah, there were elements of that, too. I forgot because there's just there's the psychedelic experience is just so is first off, it's long. I don't care what what substance you take. The time dilation is insane. So, I mean, it could be a three hour trip. It could be a 16 hour trip. But for the person undergoing the trip. It, it's an, like an eternity. I mean, it literally feels like it never is going to end. Um, and I mean that, that right there, I think that alone takes away a lot of the recreational, uh, 
argument. I mean, I, I don't see how anyone could think. <laughs> I just don't, I don't see where someone's like, wow, the feeling of just being gone forever. That sounds like fun. Um, I really think these are tools. Uh, I mean, I guess they could be used recreationally. I've never used one recreationally. I don't think, um, even my fir- my very first psychedelic experience was a surprise, okay? So the first time I used any psychedelic, and a lot of people are going to shake their heads and say, well, this is bullshit. But my first psychedelic experience was marijuana. Um, and it was, it was in the form of an edible. And uh, it was extremely psychedelic. And I don't care what anyone says. You can, you can doubt this all you want. You know, it's actually really interesting to me that you say that because as of the past, I think probably about four months ago, I started considering weed to be a psychedelic. Um, it it really is. Um, I don't think people realize it, but it opens you up to new ideas and it can change your lifestyle in a really similar way that psychedelics can and i think everyone remembers their first time smoking weed like if you think back to it that was kind of a psychedelic experience right right um and you know i i don't know uh the first experience that i had uh was an edible i'd never smoked weed and in fact so i'm not going to go through the full thing but i'll just let you know so uh about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I started having these like, um, like callings from within me. Something inside of me was telling me that I needed to do LSD and I don't know what it is. Um, it's kind of hard to explain this phenomenon. I don't know if you've ever felt a call. So, um, I had never used drugs ever, um, no recreational drugs in any form ever. And in fact, I was actually against drugs. I had a very anti-drug mindset. I thought uh, drugs were evil. I thought people who use drugs were losers. And I just, I mean, I just bought into the whole traditional arguments that there were against drugs and I was also a Christian at the time and I'm I'm an adult and I was an adult at that time uh, but something inside of me had just become so fascinated with the concept of taking LSD I don't know what it was Um, but I researched and I researched and I researched and the more I researched, the more I wanted to take it. And then eventually I just got to a point where I was like, you're crazy. You can't just say like, I've never done any drugs. Let's do some acid. So I was like, you know what? Let's give the old gateway drug a try. (laughs) Everybody, everybody says, once you do pot, you do everything else. Well, I never wanted to use pot. I thought pot was bad. And so here I am wanting to use acid, but I decided to get my feet wet with marijuana first, just so I had uh, what I thought would be a grounding experience. Like this is the basement. And I know all drugs are going to be above this, but I have an idea of what a drug experience is. That that was my 
that was the thought process behind this first marijuana experience. So uh, I'd also, I had never smoked anything, not a cigarette or anything, never vaped or whatsoever. Uh, so, but I have a friend who grows pot and I said to him, hey, I'm thinking about doing acid, but I'd like to try marijuana, but I'm totally adverse to smoking it because I've never smoked anything. And I'm afraid that I might start smoking weed and then find myself addicted to cigarettes before long, which that never happened. But uh, he, I, I basically I asked him if he would make me an edible. And he was very against this idea. Uh, he kept telling me that it wasn't a good idea to have my first marijuana experience be inedible. He said, um, basically, just have a couple hits of a joint and kind of ease your way into this experience. And uh, I kept telling him, no, 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 I don't think so. Uh, if that's the way it's got to be, then it's just not going to happen. And eventually he uh, agreed and he made me an a very very potent edible um <laughs> this edible was like 500 milligrams of thc oh what a first experience with weed i'm sure that that got you uh yeah um so i had no fucking idea what i had gotten myself into no idea i'd never read i had read like hundreds of trip reports. Like I told you, I was so fascinated with LSD. I was reading people's experience with LSD. People were taking LSD and smoking weed, you know, whatever. I didn't think too much of pot. I didn't think it, I didn't know there was much of a difference between eating it and smoking it. I didn't know like 500 milligrams was a lot. I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know anything about pot. I went into this blind. Um, and I had this edible. I fasted all day because I wanted it to be a good experience. So I hadn't eaten anything in like 20 hours. I took this edible and 18 minutes, I felt a cold drop of water hit the base of my spine. This wasn't real. This was psychosomatic, but I felt an icy cold drop of water hit the base of my spine, like right above my butt. And it slowly, like, I mean, it got me out. It got me out of my seat. I had to get up off the couch. I was like, what is that? And it trickled up. It went up my spine. And I felt it rolling up. And as it did, it like sent vibrations into the immediate area in my back around that part of my spine. And it was like, oh, it was so strange. It felt so alien. And as it went up, it, it got stronger and stronger. And it finally went all the way up my spine. And it hit my brain stem. I know I sound fucking bizarre. I, found, I sound insane. But... It hit my brain. No, stem. it sounds awesome. <laughs> the second this feeling hit my brain stem, uh, I, I got a f high frequency ringing in my ear. And I wasn't confused by this sound. The second I heard this sound, I knew the sound I was hearing was the vibration of my atoms. I just knew it fucking instinctually. And it, how fucking weird is that? Uh, I like, I mean, there was no question in my mind. Like, ooh, what's that sound? No, I knew. Like, holy shit, I, I can hear myself vibrating. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, it was so overwhelming, this feeling. Uh, as soon as it hit my brain, my, my, all the cells in my body, I could feel them uh, vibrating into 
like two different uh, sensations. Uh, I, I'm a weightlifter, and one of the sensations I would get was the feeling like when you're under the bar with a lot of weight on it, and you just feel all that contractile force where just, there's just all this pressure, and you're squeezing, and like all the blood is rushing to that area. That that was one feeling I would get, but I'd feel this everywhere, my entire body. And then the next one, the ne- like like in the next moment, it would be like total release like an orgasm like just totally relaxed absolutely bliss and it would i was just going like like with the beat of my heart beat as soon as i got one beat it was like boom into this contractile force the next beat oh right into this release and it was just back and forth just constant back and forth and I sat down on the edge of the couch, and I was on my toes. I didn't even realize it. I looked down, and my I had my my freaking calves were all uh, uh, tensed up, and I was up on my toes, and I was like rubbing my legs. All this I didn't even realize I was doing it. The sensation was so extreme, and uh, I had the urge to use the restroom. So I was like, oh well. This has just kicked in. I'm afraid it's going to get a lot stronger. So I better go use the restroom right now before I'm not able to. So I ran to the restroom. I took a leak. felt like forever. I come back downstairs. I sit on the couch and I look over at my wife. And she's just kind of looking at me and giggling a little bit because she knows I'm baked. And she knows it's my first time getting baked. And she's experienced getting baked. So she just thinks this whole thing's funny. And, uh... Then I don't know. Some time goes by, and then I'm like, "Oh God, I have to pee again." So I get up and I run to the bathroom, and so I'm peeing, and my son walks in the room, and I am fucking shocked by this. I'm I'm looking at my son, and I'm like, "What are you doing here?" Like I didn't say this, but that's that's the thought I had. Like I didn't understand how he could even be there because I thought that he had gone to sleep. And my brain just couldn't comprehend <laughs> that, like, people can get up out of their bed. I was, like, totally fucking blown away <laughs> by this. I saw him. I was like, what the hell is he doing here? <laughs> and then uh, he's, like, rubbing his eyes. And he's like, hey, Dad. And I'm like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I got to use a potty. And I'm like, okay, well, go back to bed. And then I I take uh, I walk out of the bathroom. I start going back downstairs. And I get down about three steps, and I stop dead in my track. And I'm like, that didn't happen. I was sure of it. So I, I took three steps backwards, and I looked into the restroom. Sure enough, there he was, taking a leak. And I was like, whoa. For some reason, I didn't think that really happened. So then I went back downstairs, and I tried to explain this to my wife. I'm like, hey, uh, I just like thought I hallucinated our son, but he was really there, and I don't know what's going on. This is really weird. And... um so I sit down, I close my eyes for a minute. I thought I fell asleep. Uh, and I open my eyes again. Oh my God, just a terrible, terrible urge to use the restroom. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I got to go to the bathroom. I run upstairs and I pee again. Okay, so I've just peed for the third time. It's like, is this just what getting high is? Just peeing forever? <laughs> is this all you do when you're stoned? Uh, I, I take a leak. I get to the top of the stairs. I'm looking down. And they just stretch out forever. It looks like they never end. 
So I, I'm like freaked out and I'm, I'm like leaning back. Like if you're going down a big hill and I'm like going down the stairs very slowly, I got one hand on the rail, the other hands on the side of the wall and I'm like freaked out. I get downstairs, I sit on the couch, I tell her that I'm telling her about the stairs being scary and whatnot. And then I look at the clock and this is when I lose my shit because I look at the clock and the time when I went to the, before I went to the bathroom the first time, which was like immediately after I had that sensation of like the icy water hit, hit my spine. The t- it was like, it was like 8.32 PM. Now I had just gone to the bathroom three times. I look at the clock and it is 8.35 PM. Three minutes have passed. And it felt like hours. It felt like hours, like five hours. It felt like a very large amount of time had gone by. I had just gone to the bathroom three times in three minutes. Like, and fully peed each time. I didn't just go up there and stand in front of the toilet. (laughs) I don't, I mean, it was so fucking weird. And when I saw that and that three minutes had gone by and it felt like a really long time to me, I I got so scared. And I said, this is never going to end. I'm stuck like this forever. This is not good. And she was like, oh, shit. (laughs) He's about to lose it. And uh, she got up and she covered the clock. So I couldn't see the time anymore. And thank God. Dude, she's a saint for that. Like, oh. Um, And yeah, from there on, when I I couldn't pay attention to the time, I had a much better time. uh, Because time is totally irrelevant. I think that kind of... um, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, hmm, I don't know where I'm going with this. So I don't want to, I don't want to go off on a tangent. So I'll just get right back to the report. Um, that's uh, okay. I could rant about time forever. That's, that's a weird one. Yes, yes, it is. Especially yes, when is. psychedelics are involved. Well, <laughs> fine. Let's go off on a little bit of a tangent. So it doesn't just seem like we were trapped. Somebody gave us the concept of time and they were like fucking threw a cage over us because without the concept of time, there is no end. Uh, Technically, yes, there is. And I guess I guess being such highly evolved creatures and having such a high level of consciousness, I guess we do kind of need time because we're going to see people fucking die. And then what do we do from there? Like, do we just leave the body or do we? dig a hole and do we put them in the ground you know uh do we just have rotting corpses everywhere so i guess we do need time but i look at a fucking dog and i'm like this dog does not understand time and it doesn't understand that he's gonna die and so an hour might feel like a fucking lifetime to a dog because they don't know what time is but well and if you can find yeah and and you see how the, part of the reason that the dog is so happy, no matter how old it gets, like it's it's not thinking or worried about those things in all of its moments of being alive. But what we can take from that even is in in those moments in which you're doing what you truly enjoy, you know, you're not lost in thought or worried about what time it is. Um, you're not worried about dying in those moments it that's a really extreme jump to make but it it, it's like 
that's how you know that you're doing something that actually matters and that's actually making you happy because you're not thinking about the time. You're not worried about wasting it. Right, right. Right, right. It's like, it's like that's how you know how you, you know. found yourself in something that's meaningful. And that's meaning is another big um key point from the psychedelic experience because the psychedelic experience can give you a couple different insights. I think you I think immediately after a psychedelic experience of just about any drug that I've tried, um you either come out of it with this profound idea that life is so meaningful because of everything or that life is totally pointless because, you know, what like it just it goes on and then it ends and but it it just keeps going even after it ends and it it, <laughs> it it's uh it's uh yeah I think um it's kind of the difference between a good kind of and a different... bad trip i think it's just whether you derive that there's meaning to it or if you derive that it's pointless i think, pointless. That, I think that, that at least in my experience that's the difference that's between the difference a good and a bad trip, trip. I think that I could agree with that statement as far as in the moment, um, you know, after my bad trip, I did come out having a lot of those thoughts like, damn, is life really meaningless? Um, those kinds of things. Um, but I also think that just about anyone that's had a proper bad trip um, and continued to do psychedelics or had past psychedelic experiences, um, most of those people agree that you learn more from a bad psychedelic trip than you do from a good psychedelic trip. Yeah. yeah um, and that's really interesting, um, you know, in itself. Um, but also on that idea of like the two different ways that you can come away from a psychedelic trip, you know, everything, either everything matters or nothing matters. Um, there's this, interesting idea um i think i heard it from i don't remember what book i read it in but it's like the and both philosophy or it's the both and philosophy um and i think that that can be applied there i think that both of those things are true um that everything has meaning but also nothing has meaning um, and the and to that is that when you have both of those realizations, then all of the sudden you get to decide what matters and what has meaning. And that's a very scary, daunting task at first. But um, if you choose to accept the responsibility of creating meaning, you can do a lot of really amazing things. Yeah, that's such a profound statement right there. Yeah. I'm good at making profound statements, but following up on them is something that I'm still in the process of doing. Yeah. But I think that's everyone's journey. Yeah. Um, So continuing on from the uh, three bathroom breaks and three minutes, uh, just kind of move through this quickly now because I, I kind of took a little little bit of time on that. Uh, so oh, that's okay. Um, she realized that I was kind of freaking out, so she put on a movie, which happened to be Ace Ventura, the first one. And um, like the very first scene in Ace Ventura, uh, 
there's like this, he's delivering a package and he's just totally fucking destroying this package. Just absolutely beating the shit out of it. And, uh, the guy opens the door and he's like, dude, it's all beat up. And he's like, yeah, but it sounded really nice. And I fucking lost it. And I don't think I really thought that scene was all that funny before, but I, I like, I started laughing and I felt like I was laughing forever. And I mean, I closed my eyes. Like I, all I could focus on was laughing. And when I opened my eyes, my TV was black. So what I thought had happened. So I thought the movie kept going while I was laughing. And I thought that I had just closed my eyes and fallen asleep. And the movie went all the way through. And then I just snapped out of it after the movie was over. And I look over at my wife and I apologize. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to fall asleep. And she's like, what are you talking about? And what actually had happened was uh, if you, like, pause my TV, pause anything on it, after, like, five minutes of inactivity, it just goes dark. So, really, I, I felt like I had fallen asleep and I had been asleep for hours. But it had only been, like, five minutes. So, again, time uh, playing tricks on me. Time being, like, the ultimate jester here in this story. Just fucking with me. Um, so... That again, I kind of got a little startled by the concept that she she hit play and it picked right back up, and I was like, "Oh shit!" That felt like a lot longer than it was, and that's kind of the theme of the night. It just things felt a lot longer than they were. So um, we go a little bit further into the movie, but I'm still kind of like freaking out in ways, and so she stops the movie. Uh, she's, I mean, dude, she was a saint. I'm telling you, like I've. So much love and appreciation for my wife in this moment. She wraps me up in a blanket, lays me down on the couch, and uh, she puts on... And fucking, I don't know what kind of music you listen to, but I know people listening are going to give me shit for this. But she put... My my like current favorite band is Greta Van Fleet. She put them on and uh, just on my phone and like laid it on top of my head. And I'm laying on the couch, wrapped up like a fucking worm, just wrapped so tight in this blanket. And uh, she put on this music... And I close my eyes, and I actually start, like, really tripping. I'm, I'm actually tripping for the first time in my life. I close my eyes, and I immediately disassociate. And I see a, a, uh, a starscape, a black sky with just, like, white dots for stars, right? But in this star, like, lay, overlaying it is the outline of my body laying there on the couch, uh, but just the outline. It was hollow. It wasn't like a full solid mass. It was just the outline. This outline was segmented. So it was like little, like uh, fucking, if you remember back to elementary school where they had the scissor lines to cut something out of a piece of paper, that's what it looked like. It was my form, but with those dotted, dashed lines as the outline of my form. And as the music played, these lines would change color. So like as the guitar would play, uh, the the lines would change every color of the rainbow. And as the drum would hit, different parts, like different segments of these lines would pulsate, like come closer to me and roll. Not to me, but to my field of vision. And just in and out, all this like really rhythmic patterns and colors. And it was so beautiful and so bizarre. And it felt like a lifetime had gone by in this one song. The next song comes on. And it's a live recording of them. Uh, and I'm transported into a, uh, I think it was actually a venue uh, 
that I've been to before closer to me, um, a smaller music venue and I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with people and they're up on the stage playing, but I can't even see them. I'm just so lost in the music and lost in the crowd and I'm jumping with these people all around me. I mean, I feel their sweat dripping onto my shoulders. I'm breathing heavy. I'm just getting so into the music. It's so real. I'm in this place. I'm telling you, you couldn't tell me I wasn't there. Like at, in that moment, there's no way you could have convinced me that I was laying on my couch. It's absolutely impossible. This was so real. And then the next song comes on and it's kind of um, down tempo and it's a little bit darker. And then I realized like, okay, so what I just saw was, was imaginary. I just made that stuff up in my head. And, um, then I started thinking like, I don't know what it was about this down tempo, but I started thinking like, I think that's what it was like when I was a small child. Like, I don't know, up until like maybe the age of three, I was like, this is what life was like. Like, that's why when I see, when I look at my kids, when they were three or under they're so imaginative and everything is so full of like life and energy to them and I started thinking like maybe that's just what it was like when I was a small child and that every day that goes by I'm more conditioned to not experience life in that way until I end up in the place I am now as a 27 year old man where fucking I I have no imagination I actually uh, disclaimer, I do now because I started meditating after this first trip and I can visualize now, but I don't know if this is weird or if this is normal, but I, I like, I think in words and I don't visualize anything up until like this trip. I've ne like in a long time, I don't, I don't see things when I'm imagining. I just, I'm just thinking in words and Maybe other people are more imaginative than I am, but now through like meditation and from tripping, I, I can now visualize a little bit, but it's nothing compared to like when I'm actually under something psychoactive. Um, so I just like kind of get lost in this thought that like life is just like the further on I go, I'm just going to have less and less imagination and life is going to become more gray and the color of the world is just getting sucked out. And I started crying and I mean, I, I was like really kind of losing my shit because I just felt like the joy of life was being stolen away from me by just living it. <laughs> the longer I lived, the more mundane life would become. And my wife saw that I was having a hard time. She grabbed my phone, turned off my music, and started talking to me to try to bring me out of it. And it did. It worked. Um, and then I, I tried to explain these thoughts to her. And in in like I'm looking at her and I'm trying to tell her what I was just experiencing. And I start falling backwards into my head. Uh, so like where you're looking through your eye holes, <laughs> obviously you're all, you always are looking through your eyes, but I feel like I'm sinking into my head and I can see my eye holes out in front of me, like the actual shape of my shape eyes. Of my eyes. I know exactly what you mean. I think we really need a word for that sensation because I think a lot of people can relate to that. So, so, almost, I, I call it like movie vision almost. Wow, like it feels like you're, wow. you're, 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 world like you're watching a movie instead of actually looking through your eyes 
Dude, I'm so you're the first person who's ever told me <laughs> that that's an experience. That's an experience other people, other people have. have. No, I have several other friends that can relate to the idea of that experience, but there isn't a terminology for it, and so it just kind of goes by the wayside. But that's that's a real symptom of a psychedelic experience yeah. type thing. Yeah, but, I mean, so, it happens sometimes. I mean, it just seemed like like I was looking at. I was looking at like projector screens shaped like eyeballs, basically, you know. Um, and I'm looking at my wife, and I'm, I'm starting to talk, and then my language starts to break down a little bit, and I'm having a really hard time forming coherent sentences. And then all of a sudden, I get this visualization that I have three touchscreen monitors in front of me, right? And at any given moment, these three monitors have a word on them. And I touch the screen and then the words, all three screens, just like they change words and I'm, I'm going forward and I'm slapping these screens, right? Like so fast that I'm not even taking time to read what the words on these screens are. I'm just hitting these different words. And then all of a sudden I'd come to a period and I'd hit the period. And then all of a sudden I would hear a sentence come out of my mouth. Like I didn't even think to say it. I saw these words. I just fucking threw them together in a crazy ass order. And then, then all of a sudden I get to hear it play back. And then I would like, I'd have the most puzzled look on my face. And I'd say to her, that wasn't a normal sentence. Somehow in between these moments, I was forming a sentence. I was able to say like, that was weird. I'd be, I one like one time I remember saying that's not something a human would say. <laughs> wow, that's that's really crazy. I believe it though. And not crazy in a bad way. I don't think crazy is bad necessarily. <laughs> well, it it was freaky. I mean, I so in the moment I wasn't thinking anything too deep because I was so intoxicated, but you know, you there's know. A, Looking back on that, it's like, oh, that can make me think of, like, the simulation theory and, you know, all this shit. Like, it's just, it's kind of trippy. But Well, what that makes me think of is the actual way that a lot of people talk, which is they just string a whole bunch of words together and say them without putting any real thought into what they're saying. Yeah. It's like a, a symbolism yeah. for how people actually talk. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. So... When I realized that my words were failing me and I was having a really hard time communicating, um, I just kind of shut up. And then in that moment, every time that I, w I was just sitting there, and she was, I don't, she, I think she started playing a video game, but I was like totally not aware of what was going on around me. Uh, but I would blink and I thought I was falling asleep. The, the, the pauses from visualization when my eyes would go black from blinking. It felt like I was asleep, like I just had a full night's sleep. But this was happening every other second. Like I was just like blinking like a normal person would, but I, I felt like I kept falling asleep. Um, those pauses were so long and so dramatic. And eventually I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try to lay down. And so I laid down and I closed my eyes. And then this is where I had my worldview shook. Uh, when I closed my eyes here, uh, my eyes were actually closed now uh, for a long time. It wasn't just a blink. I was really, I had my eyes closed probably for about two hours. And um, this totally rocked my worldview. And I can't, I can't ascribe to any religion after this experience. Um, but I lived 
um, hundreds of lives. When I closed my eyes, I was born as a baby and I grew into an adult and I lived a life and I died. And then I was born again as a baby. I lived a totally different life. I can remember like just bits and pieces, like going to school. It's not my memories. These aren't when I was actually in school. Uh, People I don't recognize, experiences I didn't have. Fucking laying in a hospital bed dying is not an experience I've ever had. But I felt this a hundred times with my eyes closed. Um, I just kept living different lives. And I don't think that they were past lives because a lot of it seemed pretty modern. So I'm not thinking of this in the terms of like reincarnation, like I was seeing all my past lives because I didn't, I don't, I don't feel like I saw anything that seemed ancient or anything like that. I just feel like I was tapping in to a, a consciousness stream of experiences that just floats out in the void. I really, I'm, I, I think this is really what happened. This is honest. This is as truthful as I can be. I really think this is what happened. Obviously, I can never explain this. Science will probably never explain this. But I feel like I was tapping into experiences that happened. Um, people's li- people's real lives. I feel like I, I just... I, my consciousness transcended. I was no longer myself. And I was able to tap into different experiences. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie... Um, Hercules, the Disney movie, where he goes down into Hades and he's swimming in the vortex of lost souls. That's kind of how, yeah, I, that's kind of uh, how I picture I this, like a universal consciousness of just like dead, <laughs> dead spirits or something, dead experience. And then I was able to tap in and just have the, the entirety of it. Like I got to watch it like a movie, but like first person. And when I snapped out of that, I mean, it, it shook me. It Oh, it shook me so hard. And I actually, I, I got out. I told my, my wife, basically all I could say was, I just lived for a thousand years. I lived a hundred lives and it was a thousand years. And then she went ahead and told me the time and it had only been three hours. So technically I was just reaching peak. So like at that moment, is when I started peaking, when I told her that. So I don't know how crazy this experience could have gotten, but I fell asleep. After I told her that, I actually fell asleep. I woke up, and I wasn't tripping anymore. But I just, I mean, that rocked me, dude. Like, how could you possibly believe in fucking some religious fairy tale (laughs) after having an experience like that? Yeah, I think that's what psychedelics can do for a lot of people. I mean, it just shakes up your fundamental understanding of what reality is. And I think a lot of people give in to the trap of thinking that since religion is incorrect, it means nothing and it's just a game. But that's that's not... There's still some kind of meaning there it's just deeper than anyone especially religion could fully grasp i mean that's one of the ideas in religion is that you can't fully understand what the higher power is right right um and just and a lot of people as far as the fact that you had that experience on you know an edible um 
I think a lot of people look at that and like you were a little bit doubting and sharing the story at the beginning, you know, in that regard um, of how people might take the fact that it happened on weed. Um, but anyone that feels that way, I challenge them to not smoke any weed for a month and then smoke like three grams of hash in one sitting. And with no tolerance, you will have a psychedelic experience similar to, you know, eating a small amount of mushrooms or taking one tab of acid off of just smoking a whole bunch of weed. Right. Um, but um, are you talking about that story of um, the, the experience that you had with your eyes closed um, with how you lived all of the different um, past lives? Um, it kind of got me thinking about the very unique um, idea of spirituality, I guess you could call it, that I've developed from my psychedelic experiences. Um, that if you want to get into a little bit, I could try and run through. Um, I decided um, because I think you're right to some degree in saying that science cannot understand these concepts, but I think that that's really just science cannot currently understand these. I think that we've really started to reach our limitations with our current model of science and a lot of the weird ideas that are currently coming out in physics and whatnot that are slowly becoming accepted um, are really psychedelic in nature to an extent. Um, So I really think the, the idea that in 50 years science will actively be exploring the science of consciousness, I think that might actually be a thing. Um, But I tried to approach the issue of spirituality from a somewhat rational scientific mindset. I'm actually, I'm a chemistry major. um, That's That's awesome. And the hard science is influenced with psychedelics. It's a very weird mixture. Um, So... Uh, But I I thought about it, and when you break everything, I mean, literally everything around you and everything in the universe, when you break it down to, like, the smallest thing that you can, smaller than even an atom, because we know that subatomic particles exist, and so it's theoretically probable that if subatomic particles, you know, they can even break down into something else. um, Forever. (laughs) Exactly. So it's just energy is is what it comes down to everything is just energy um and if everything is just energy when you break it down to its smallest form then in the most literal sense of the word everything is one because everything is just energy when you break it down to its smallest object um it's just all of this energy is channeled into different vibration patterns that make it into whatever physical objects it is. Um, But I feel like when you take a living being and give it consciousness and whatnot, um, it's very, very probable that 
its brain is going to it, it runs on that energy and so i think if you throw it into a vastly different state from whatever psychedelics can do you're tapping into the energy that you're made of in a different frame than you normally are a different frequency than you normally can um but that that's kind of my explanation for i guess the the psychedelic experience and the nature of like what things are but then when it comes into the the spirituality um i think that you you can see with um arguably with humans but then like definitively with like trees for example science has proven um in the past couple of years that s trees can like communicate to each other um through their root networks mm -hmm. um you know everything can communicate to each other in really really strange ways um and so i would argue i'm gonna stop i'm just gonna literally say what i believe instead of trying to add all the other words um yeah i think that like we are the manifestation of the way that the earth wanted to take its the direction of its energy um i i think that the fact that the trees themselves have consciousness well where does their consciousness come from you know they're from the earth too they have even if it's not consciousness in the same way that we have it um all of those things were in in some way grown up out of the earth and so i don't know exactly what our purpose is but i would like to believe that the the earth or the universe whichever you want to argue has the general direction of where it wants to go figured out and so in your own life you should find just whatever calls to you the strongest and that's what you should pursue because that's the direction that was set out for you so that's not the not or the universe's the intention, intention is what is that what calling that calling is. is if you feel yeah. an innate call that's actually like that's literally it. Yeah. I think the only way that you don't reach that pathway is by, um, for lack of a better term, sinning, but really it comes down to actually analyzing, like, the seven deadly sins, quote-unquote. Um, you know, doing those things in your life instead of following the calling that was set out for you will distract you from reaching that goal right right wow yeah, wow. Absolutely. yeah absolutely like i think that religion organized religion is bogus but there are, are a lot of religious themes that when thought about through a psychedelic lens are very useful right so they right. so they they got the structure, they got the structure of reality of reality right. right they just they just put the wrong, put the wrong um, um i don't know they, they just, know. They, painted, they just it painted it wrong they got too literal with their well, it, it, the problem is language when it comes down to it, you know, 
we don't have the proper words to express these things. And so we have to use metaphors until the language evolves a little bit more. Mm. But when the metaphors were written so long ago and you start taking them very literally, then you start getting the structures of organized religion instead of the metaphors that teach you how to be a, a good person. Right, right. And, and not even just a good person, but a fulfilled person. So do you, so think, do you think, like, like, this is kind of a concept I'm, I'm working through right now in my head, that spirituality, like there's not a, iner inertly there's not a spirit. Spirit is one of those words that at some point, uh, somebody strapped to energy. So we're energy. Uh, being spiritual in the true sense and not with any dogma attached to it, spiritual is like a recognition that you are energy and that everything is energy and you're connected with everything in that way. And that's what spirituality is. Yeah, I think I think that's a good way of putting it. I think spirituality is slowly becoming the new religion of um, a, a lot of people. Like, I think uh, a, a notable percentage of people compared like now compared to five or ten years ago um, would identify as spiritual. Um, it seems like the, the percentage of people is on the rise. Right. Um, they, and I, when I say spiritual, I, I mean like they don't identify with an organized religion, but they do consider themselves religious in a loose definition of the term. Right. Right. Um, cause I, I consider, I, I don't consider myself a religious person but I do consider myself a very spiritual person. I feel like it's, feel like it's, it's kind of it's like, kind of um, like um, just the absence, just the absence of, the material. of the material. It's non-material. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the problem with religion, the best way that I've managed to put it, is that it, it tries to answer all of the questions. It tries to set a super rigid way for the or a super rigid path for the way that every person is supposed to live their life and answer everything and if there isn't an answer then the answer is just god or whatever higher power of the religion that you want to right have in question even polytheistic religions um but i think it's very crucial to accept that we don't have all of the answers and you never will be able to have an answer for everything. And even the things you have answers for, um, you're never going to know anything with absolute certainty. You know, there has to be a good enough for everything. Right. Um, so, so we yeah, are, we are, um, we're starting we're to run starting out. Of time. To run we've got time. about, we've got about 12 more minutes. 12 more minutes. Can go. I can go. But, Sounds but good. I do have, I do one, have more thing one more that I, I want to share just because this what we've just talked about is has made this um, made me think about it a little bit. So 
um, since having psychedelic experiences and starting meditation, I started having uh, some pretty vivid dreams. It, it kind of, I don't know if it meant I started having dreams or if I just began to be able to recall them and before that I couldn't. But I had an extremely bizarre <laughs> dream uh, back in the past, uh, this past summer. So we were visiting some relatives in Kentucky and these, these are great, great people, wonderful, kind, sweetest people you can imagine. But yeah, they're definitely, they don't, <laughs> they don't know the direction my life has taken. They don't know that I think about stuff like this. They would totally shock them. Um, and so I couldn't share any of these ideas with them. But while I was there, I was I went to bed in one of their guest rooms and I had this very fascinating dream where I was in a field, uh, a very lush green field. But every so often, like every, I don't know, 20 feet, there would be a column that would shoot all the way up as far as the eye could see into the sky that you couldn't see an end to these columns. They were large stone columns. And they were everywhere. And what I was doing in this field was I was playing hide and seek with someone. And I didn't know who it was. There was a voice, but I didn't recognize it really. Um, but it was like calling to me. And I thought it was just calling to me, you know, in the terms of playing hide and seek. Like, like hey, I'm over here or whatnot. Um, so I'm looking around and I'm running around. And in my peripheral vision, I feel like I see it... Uh, moving around and I turn and look and it would be gone but I'd, I'd run in that direction and as I'm chasing this voice uh, I start walking closer to these columns and I realize these columns are covered in an ancient hieroglyphic kind of language like a Sanskrit or something I didn't recognize it but it was it was engraved with some sort of imagery based language and they were, I mean, just absolutely covered in these things. Um, and also, just to preface this, I don't do, I, I never spend any time researching uh, like Egypt or anything like that. So I don't really know where this was manifesting from in my brain. Um, however, uh, I'm, I'm, I've come up to one of these and I see how intricate these designs are. And I rub my hand across it and I'm feeling it. And all of a sudden... <clears throat> here right next to me uh like what do you think it means and I turn and look and here's this person and I'm like not a hundred percent sure but I'm gonna say I'm 80 percent sure it was me that was standing next to me it was like it was myself um and I was like well I don't know and then I'm looking at it longer and then all of a sudden I just say out loud uh all, all we know is everything. And I wrote this down. The second I woke up, I wrote this down so I would never forget it. I said, all we know is everything. We only have to increase the computing power. And I turn, when I say this, I turn from the column and I look at this other person, which may have been me, not totally sure, but I look at him and we both drop our jaw like we're look like I'm looking in a mirror and I start going, oh, but like, just like holding out that O sound. And I awake 
like I'm, I'm vibrating in the dream. My body is vibrating. And I'm awoken by my wife shaking me. And she said, be quiet. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you're, you're like moaning in your sleep. I was saying, you were saying, oh, so whatever the fuck was going on in this dream had some real world manifestation. And I actually was making this sound in the physical world outside of my dream. And that was so bizarre. And I just wondered what you thought about that. <laughs> wow. Mm, that's that's a really really interesting dream it sounds like uh and that's it it sounds like something that you could see on a psychedelic trip which is why dreams are so fascinating to me and memories in general um but what what that makes me think of is another interesting thought that i had had based on my idea about the earth um it's that the reason that the earth created humans is so that it had hands to move things around because it couldn't do that on its own um with the general intention of creating technology and computers um because that's that still ends up being of the earth because we made it and we're of the earth and so it it might be that our goal is to develop this super ai that will solve everything right right so, so do you think it you might think it's like a defense mechanism i've heard this theory heard before i can't remember who i heard it from though if it was terence mckenna or Alan Watts. I can't remember. I listen to a lot of philosophy, so uh, I kind of blur the lines of who said what. But someone had right. said... They're also that, great. <laughs> someone at some point had, had said that the Earth knew, like at some point in time, there was going to be this catastrophic or this cataclysmic event that ended life, uh, ended the Earth as a whole, just ended the Earth. Um organic life not human life but organic life as a whole and so evolution is just a process of defense and that the earth knows when this event's going to happen and things are moving uh at the pace that they need to that at some point the technology will be developed maybe it transcends the existence of humans but the technology would be developed to prevent this cataclysm from happening to the earth itself and that fucking blew my mind. And it kind of reminds me of what you're saying here. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, I think that it very well could have been from a McKenna talk. Because I think that that's where I got the, the basis for that idea. And a lot of the ideas that I have is from um, a lot of McKenna talks. Because they're just so easy to find on the internet. Um, God bless. God him. bless. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I just really think that a lot of us need to take our jobs, I would call it, as psychedelic people more seriously um, and, and just talk about these ideas with more people. I agree. Um, 
that's, you know, kind of my parting wisdom is it's 2018. Don't be afraid to be psychedelic. Right, right, right. right. Uh, question everything, but don't let it drive you crazy. You know, that's what you yeah, people need to do. do. Don't accept anything as as reality. <laughs> question everything. Let's let's come to some conclusions together. Don't don't think you know all the answers. Don't think anyone else has the answers for you. We got to come up with this stuff together. It's going to take a lot of minds together to get any sort of real answer to any of these questions. And also don't be closed-minded about where your solutions can come from. If you take everything, even ideas you disagree with, with a grain of salt and actually look at them, you know, you can gain something valuable from it. Mm. Now there's, there's a message for 2018. If I've ever heard, I've ever heard religion is my best example of that. I hated on religion for the longest time until I increased the amount of salt that I took while I looked at it and realized that there's actually a lot of really good wisdom in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I still think the idea of Christianity is ridiculous, but you know, there's, there's value in everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to say uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, fantastic first episode of a podcast as I could ever imagine. Uh, this is very fascinating. And from this hard stopping point that I found myself at, I can see that there is way more that I could discuss with you. Uh, I can tell that there's a lot that you've had to hold back here. So I definitely would like to see you return and uh, share some more insights and wisdom from your experiences. Yeah, thanks. It was um, great for having me. Um, great having me <laughs> um i'd love to be back um so we'll talk about that all right thanks man this was awesome